Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 873, with Josh Sharkey and Danielle Casilio. If your server was great, if your busser was great, if the hostess was great and you had a good time with them, you might go back or be able to like, you'll be like, oh, I had this great experience with our server. Like the food wasn't great or it came out cold or we had to refire. We waited forever, but she was so great that we're going to go back and give it another try. So the people skills is, is really like the one thing I look for when I'm training front of house. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering, and this is because Chow Now helps their restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. With Chow Now, take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site, and there are no setup fees or monthly payments. And what I really love about Chow Now is that you get to own your customer data. This is something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And when you schedule a demo, don't forget to ask about leveling up with Chow Now Direct, Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up today at chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And I have to say, I haven't come across a restaurateur using Seven Shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communications, tasks, tips, and more all in one place. And because you are restaurant on Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Today's episode is brought to you by Talk to the Manager. Nowadays, people don't want to speak face-to-face. They rather communicate via text message and keep it anonymous. Talk to the Manager allows guests to share feedback or ask questions in a way that makes them feel comfortable and is convenient to you. And I think the most valuable aspect of Talk to the Manager is that you give people an opportunity to vent before they go public and write a negative review. Sometimes people just want to be heard and Talk to the Manager gives them that opportunity to be heard. Plus, you don't have to worry about your information being shared. Customers won't see your personal phone number, just the phone number that Talk to the Manager provides. Also, with Talk to the Manager, it's like having a secret shopper. People will tell you any issues they come across at your restaurants, whether you want to hear them or not, but they'll be brought to your attention and that will help you improve your business. Show your guests you care enough to listen with Talk to the Manager. Head to talktothemanager.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your 60-day trial. 
What up, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but a quick reminder that this podcast needs your support. There's a few ways you can support the show. Uh, you can support our sponsors, you can support our affiliates, and you can also join the network. <clears throat> and speaking of joining the network, today's episode was dedicated to a guest in the network. Whenever I have a new member of the network sign up, I do a one-on-one call with them where I basically give them an orientation on the network, but I also kind of probe and figure out where their pain is, what their challenges is. I literally come out and I ask them like, where is the pain? What are your challenges? Is there content I can create for you? Our, one of our newest members, Ronnie, who joins us in today's episode told us he would love content specifically around how to onboard new hires, but specifically green new hires, people who haven't had any prior restaurant experience, but there's a lot of those people in the industry right now because of the past two years, these young kids weren't allowed to get jobs. All of a sudden there's like an influx two years worth of first timers coming into the industry and we have to be patient with these people. We have to treat them differently. So today we're going deep into how to train new hires, specifically green new hires. And we went to Josh Sharkey, the CEO of Mies and Danielle Casilio, the CEO of Yelly app, uh, both training tools for one for front of house, one for back of house. And we, we get into it. Um, so it's a really great conversation. And, uh, I guess with no further ado, here they are, Danielle and Josh. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, CEO and founder of Yelly App, Danielle Casilio, and CEO and founder of Mies, Josh Sharkey. Are you two feeling unstoppable today? Oh, yeah. Yes. And uh, today's conversation uh, is inspired, I want to say, uh, and he actually joined us here today. I don't know if I can. I'll just I'll just use your first name, Ronnie. Was inspired by Ronnie, one of our newest members in the network, and I asked him, "Where's the pain, Ronnie? What what workshop do you want me to record for you? If I could record any workshop," and he said, "Training specifically new green employees." And I think we there's not a lot of conversation around this right now, but we there, there's so much that's unprecedented about the world we live in right now. And I think one of the really unique things regarding the restaurant industry is that over the past two years there have been so many young people who would have probably gotten their first job, but they couldn't go to work because restaurants really weren't open for a while. So now all of a sudden you have this influx of green employees, people that, you know, in 2020 would have been 16 years old or now 18 years old. They haven't been able to work in the industry, but now all of a sudden everyone's looking for jobs or looking to get back out there. And we have this in like this overwhelming influx of new restaurant employees. So I think the timing for this workshop is really great and I cannot wait to dive into it. But before we do, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. Who wants to start? Danielle. Okay. All right, um, go for I'm it. I'm on the spot here, but my success quote, my motto for life is keep it simple. It's how I run my business. That's how I live my life too. Um, and I think it goes into how we should run our restaurant. So keep it simple, keep it light. I love that. And it's been a huge lesson on the show, honestly, is less is more. Uh, stay in your lane. Focus on doing a few things better than anybody else versus trying to be everything to everybody. Great lesson yeah. there. And Josh, what do you got for us? I feel like I'm always saying these things and they're uh, different every time. So how about just test, learn, repeat? We do that all day long. Test, you know, just, learn, repeat. Uh, how, do, how do we become a better version of ourselves today than we were yesterday? Kaizen, constantly improving. 
Love it, man. Great way to get this thing started. So where does it make sense? Uh, I mean, there's so much to cover. When we talk about green employees and we talk about the 21st century, what's going through your your minds? And whoever wants to talk first, just go for it. Yeah, I'll start. Um, I think when it comes to training restaurant employees and just working in a restaurant in this day and age, got to cater to the younger generation. You know, restaurant workers are young, especially green employees, giving them technology or resources that they understand and keeping it modern is like, well, the transition we're having to go through right now as an industry, I think. Yeah. Uh, When you say keeping it modern, what do you mean by that? Well, I just think that we have a tendency to use like really old school methods, whether it comes to training or ordering or reservations, we like the pen and paper, the old school, you know, a lot of us have been in the industry for a long time and we like what we know. Um, But then when we have young, fresh employees, especially if they're not experienced in restaurants, it feels a little bulky for Mm -hmm. them. So I think trying to modernize it. Yeah. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's for sure true. I think we, we, we have a lot of opportunity now to optimize for all the new technologies that we have. I, I think at a higher level, uh, to keeping it simple, um, you need to create an environment where you set people up for success. I think we, un- we, we underestimate that. Um, and it, it, it results in happier employees. It results in more longevity with, with, with team members. Um, and, uh, more often than not, we don't do that. We don't set people up for success. And, um, you know, I've, I've, if there's anything I've learned from running restaurants over the years that when you don't do that, we don't have explicit sort of, um, you know, goals and objectives and, and, and tools for your team, then they're going to go off the rails. And that's when typically when you get frustrated. So, um, yeah. you, you know, it's, it, it hasn't changed today that it was 20, 30, 40, 50, hundred, 200 years ago. Uh, you know, we just got to set people up for success. Yeah. And uh, it's not every day that I actually get the person who requested the content who's live with us. Ronnie's right here. And Ronnie, um, I might as well just give you the floor if you're if you're open to it, if you're not too shy. Just ask your question or explain to me specifically where your pain is. And hopefully Danielle and Josh can kind of serve or just answer straight that question. So when we ask you that, like what, what goes through your mind? Well, I, again, as Eric and I were talking about the other day, uh, I get a lot of high school kids uh, and I get a lot of young guys who are coming out of high school culinary programs and that kind of stuff where they've got a nugget of interest and a nugget of, you know, like desire and passion, but they don't have any skills. They don't have any experience. They don't have, you know, anything to, to, to build upon. And so, I really want them to understand the restaurant industry as a career path. And I don't want them to see it as the job they have while they're getting a real job. So I'm wondering when you onboard them, how do you, how do you, how do you kind of make that a reality for them so that they don't just see it as a job or a paycheck, but they see it as an opportunity and something that they can continue doing going forward. I think that fighting into that, Um, passion and you showing it to them through your culture being like excited about what you do and having a team that's also excited when they're in that environment they're like oh I want to be here I want to work in a restaurant it's fun it's fun working in a kitchen Um, plus giving them the information that they need in kind of a bite-sized 
chunk so they're not completely overwhelmed by it. But playing into that passion part um, yourself and kind of serving as a model to that, I think, is a ticket. Josh, what are your thoughts? So I'm going to actually I'm going to I'm going to say something that might you you might not love to hear. Um, But I remember when I was working at a restaurant called Boulay, New York City, many, many years ago. And we had just lost our fourth star. Um, and we were one, one of the only restaurants in New York that had four stars. And Boulay was very upset, but he was also very passionate. And he said to us, you know, some of you are here because you are musicians or you're actors or you're, um, you know, you're going to school for X, Y, or Z. Um, and you are at a restaurant that is operating at the highest level. And um, I understand that not all of you are here because you want the same thing that I do. Um, but if you can give 110% here doing something that isn't your number one passion and you can be really good at it, imagine what you can do with the things that you actually do love, number one, right? And I think that it's fair to say that a lot of people do take these jobs in restaurants, not because it's what they want to do for the rest of their life, um, but because they, they need a job. And we have to, you know, I think be sympathetic to the fact that that's okay, you know, because you can have that job for a year or two years. And, and, and you know what, if you inspire them, maybe they do want to do this for the rest of their life. And, you know, one in 10 of us, you step into a kitchen and we're like, oh my God, I want to do this for the rest of my life. This is incredible. This is hard. And it's, I'm getting yelled at, but I love it. Uh, or I'm not getting yelled at hopefully. Um, but I think being open to the, to the, to the, to the idea that that's okay but if you can execute here, then you can do so much more in the other thing that you love. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, work ethic is work ethic. Being able to ingest information and execute on that is, doesn't change no matter what field you're in. Um, it's easier when you love it. Uh, and so this just becomes a training ground for, for those folks that, that, um, that, that, that do want to sort of get better. And it's almost even better if they're there because they're in school for their MBA or they're in school for social sciences or what I didn't go to college or all the things that you go to college for, but, um, but you can actually like inspire them, um, you know, to learn this skill that they can take with them for life and not just the skill of how to cook, but how to think, how to set up a station, how to own your own environment and, you know, how to come in every day and do it consistently. That is a skill that you can take with, you know, anywhere that you go. And I think you look like you're, you're, you know, you're, you're in the kitchen, you're a chef. There are so many things as chefs that, that we do that, uh, that transfer to so many other sort of um, businesses, right. Being prepared, you know, perfecting technique, uh, working really hard, understanding that the only thing that differentiates you from the people next to you is how much harder you work and how well you can ingest information. So um, I'm, I'm sort of countering your, your question with, um, with something else, but I, that, that would be my take on it. So listening to both Danielle share and Josh share, I, I feel like I want to reinforce both elements of what they just share with us. Definitely with what Danielle said, work it into your culture. And I think Josh kind of sewed that into his answer as well. Like, listen, I think the you, I think you have to accept that the people that you hire, not all of them want to make a career in the restaurant industry. For a lot of them, it is a for now job. Nobody's going to be as passionate about your restaurant as you are. And I think it's really important to kind of accept that from day one. But what you can do, like Josh said, is work it into or Danielle said, work into your culture, but focus on not the this is a job that you're going to do for the rest of your life, but this is a job right now, and this might be your first job, and we're going to give you standards 
on business in general that you can take no matter where you go and our and that's that's working it into your culture right like yeah we get where where you want to go but right now you're here and he, when you're here like we're going to give you skills that you will be able to apply no matter what and i think the second part of that for me as far as how you get how do you get people excited how do you let them know that there is opportunity? You build it into your training. You, you you literally show people here's a path for growth. You want to be the general manager. You want to be. You want to open your own store someday. Here's how you get there, and here are the steps you take, and to actually have the framing, the framing, and like the, the the tangibility to that, so you can show them the way, so that they 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 see that you're not just blowing steam, but you actually have planned it out, and you've. you've created a path for people is another part of that too is like literally showing them how to get to where they want to be what are your thoughts on that josh yeah i think i I mean i agree i think um i think as it pertains to training new employees uh i'm always really careful to to truncating information to um it's very easy to um, give too much too soon and then that people get overwhelmed that said i think the answer to what you're saying maybe what you're actually trying to illustrate is is no matter what um, I think every business should be able to communicate a, uh, their path of progression. Like, what does it look like to progress through this business uh, that I have? And, and that's the same whether you have one unit or you have a thousand units. Um, what's like, what is, how do you matriculate through this, this, um, you know, through my organization? And it might mean you're going to be a dishwasher and then you're going to be a prep cook and then you're going to be a cook and then you're going to be a, a kitchen manager or a front of house manager, whatever those things are. And then you can do this and you can do this, but showing that um, in the beginning is important, right? Because people need to understand that there is sort of um, a light at the end of the tunnel if they're, if they're looking for that. And regardless, it also shows that you're thinking about these things and it shows that you, um, that you care. Um, and just that alone, I think is, is, is um, most people don't have it. And it's, it's, it, it ends up having you know a negative impact if, if they don't understand why. Yes. Uh, Ronnie, did you have a follow-up question before we kind of move on and, and start to get granular and break it up into front of house and back of house? Um, well, I want to talk to something Joshua just said, which I think is really crucial, which is the other flip side of it is how do you know when enough is enough and you're not overwhelming somebody young and somebody new? Um, because we have that framework. We've been working the Nick Cirillo uh, framework And we have a very clear path from the day you start in our system of where you go, how you can go, what are the steps to get there. And I can see being a 18, 19, 20-year-old kid coming in, that might be really awesome for me, or that might be way too much. And that might be just, hey, you know, I just want to learn how to cook. That, you know, sous chef isn't even on my radar. So Joshua really touched on that. I think it's huge of how do you know when you're overdoing it how do you know when you're hitting that sweet spot? How do you how do you judge the employee and figure out where is their breaking point and where to where to dial it back? Danielle, did you want to go ahead and answer that, and then we'll see if Josh wants to round it off. Yeah, I think getting yourself really organized is helpful. Um, a lot of the restaurants I work with, I notice like the management, the owners they don't know what the outline is supposed to look like for a specific job role or that path of growth. Um, They're saying the same thing in a couple different ways, five times throughout the training day. So getting yourself really organized, simplifying what the training looks like. You know, I mean, there's kind of this, we want people to see it over and over again, especially when they're new, this like repetitive, the more you see it, what did you say at the beginning, Josh, train, test, repeat, (laughs) like that is true. But I think if you can 
break it down in a very like easy to read, well-written, simplified manner, like that an 18 year old can process or a 16 year old can process that isn't in restaurant lingo. Um, that is very helpful because what I see is somebody will write out a training day one with 50 things to do on it. And somebody goes and they say, well, I don't understand what half of these things are or where, and then I have to be trained on each thing specifically. You just took some time, some, you know, or you paid somebody to write out these training schedules, but then you're having to pay somebody to actually train them again. And they're confused and that thing. So getting yourself really organized and simplifying what it is you want them to know um, in the role specifically, like, I just want to be a line cook. Here's everything you need to know to be a line cook. Yeah, here's what it looks like to grow in my company. But for right now, for today, let's get you situated as a line cook. Don't even think about sous chef or prep cook. Or, you know, sorry, I'm kind of lost, so I don't know those things. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like keeping it really, really getting yourself organized first and then keeping it simple when you're executing it to the employee. So Josh, anything you want to add to that or other thoughts you might have? Yeah, I, I, I want to make sure I'm interpreting the question properly. And I think he's being like, if does the skill set match the, 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 the job? The question, as uh, I remember it, uh, basically, or I can just let Ronnie say it again, but I think what I understood was how do you know when somebody wants it or, or when they are ready for more or that they, yeah, how do yeah. you know if somebody, so, yeah. I mean, look, I think part of it is obviously in, 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 in you know, proper hiring, which is independent of this, but important, right? You have hiring, onboarding and development. But um, so assuming you, you hired somebody, you understand like, um, you know, their skill set. Um, also, I'll be sensitive to the fact that like when we run restaurants, sometimes you just need to cook today and there's nothing you can do about it. And you have to start on the station, right? So they have to figure it out when that I, I have a plan for that when, because we have sort of like, you know, this is how you run the station. It's just sort of like this little checkbox um, for you. Tell me everything that you, that you don't understand. Like if we have to throw you into the fire, just like write a check. And at least then I know all the things that we need to, to help you with. Um, I'm, I, I, I love the I do, you do, we do framework, or I do, we do, you do framework. It tends to work the best, you know, in, in you know, for me um, with any, anyone that we're training, right? Like I'm going to do this whole thing and you're going to watch me uh, and then we're going to do it together. And then I can sort of observe like, uh, and of course in a kitchen, you know, right away if somebody like, can move or not you and, and I, I won't speak to front of the house but like um and then you do right and then you can observe like okay are they are they getting it or not um and i think you can you can tend you tend to pick up pretty quickly uh whether they do this fails every time if you just throw somebody there and the training just doesn't exist and you just like start on the station and figure it out i think that's when when there's the biggest you know biggest issues um but of course you, you know um i always try to assume um, with anybody that ever starts, just assume they know nothing and better for them and for you. And also it helps you understand their sort of level of cognitive um, bias, their, their level of EQ. Are they okay with that? Right. Like, um, because maybe they do know something, right. But are they okay with sort of accepting that? Like, you know, I'm going to start assuming I know nothing. Like if you work at La Bernadette in New York city, um, you know, for Eric repair, no matter, doesn't matter how much experience you have, 
you have 10 years or, or one year, you start on Garmage um, because they want to learn um, Eric's way. So I want to learn Ronnie's way. And so I'm going to start in the, in the very beginning. And you can very quickly understand if somebody is, you know, is basic or intermediate or, or advanced. Um, but it takes a little bit of energy in the beginning to understand that. You know? Yeah. And um, I, I know Thomas Keller takes the same approach where no matter who you are, or where you came from, you all start at the same place and you work your way to the top. Um, I think the, the kind of, again, I think the question was, how do you know somebody wants it or they're ready? I think the obvious answer is ask, you know, during the interview process, what do you want? What's your five-year plan? Where do you want to be? If they say, I want to be the general manager, or the, the sous chef of your restaurant, then that's a pretty good indication. But at the same time, you have to, like people blow steam too during interviews. They tell you what you want to hear. So, okay, that's great. Now observe. Are you what you say you are? You know, like, can you do it? And I think that's by, by starting them at the same place, you can pretty quickly find out how they compare to other people with zero experience. And they're saying they're somebody who has this experience or they want something. So ask, pay attention, actions speak louder than words. Are they showing you they want it? Are they showing up every day on time to your operational standards, your operational specs, dress the way they're supposed to dress, doing what they're supposed to do. And they, are they taking initiative? Are they asking for help? Are they asking for more? Are they looking to learn? So I think people's actions will tell you whether or not they want it. But I think it's also really important to go back to what Danielle said is ha- get organized and have the framing so you can and have a system for training and onboarding and, and, and for growing people. Um, yeah, I think it lets you see everything in a bigger picture. When you have it more dialed in, then it's easier to see, is this person hitting the marks I need them to hit? Yeah, but I think that training part and that, that getting organized part is really important because if you say, okay, like you want to be the general manager, you want to be the sous chef, here's exactly what you need to do to get there. Here's, you know, here's the curriculum. And if they want it, you give it to them. And if they do it, and they're it's like it's like what's the word it's like um if they take control of their fate if if you show them the path and they get on that path and they they sprint up it you know they go through the curriculum they take the test they 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 improve their knowledge you know like that's what getting organized does is it gives them a clear path to get to where you they say they want to go and then paying attention to their actions um I do think now's a good time to take our first break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to kind of reflect on what I just shared. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering. This is because Chow Now helps restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. Here's how it works. Chow Now clients get listed on the free Chow Now marketplace. Once they're there, they can meet new customers and take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site. There is no setup fee or monthly payment. Now, this is what I really love about Chow Now. You get access to valuable customer data, which allows you to personalize the experience and the relationship with your guests. In other words, you own the relationship with your guests, something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And we cannot wrap up this message without telling you about how to level up with Chow Now Direct. Chow Now Direct is Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing 
package. With Chow Now Direct, you get your own branded ordering app for iPhone or Android, email and print marketing, plus POS integration, and much more. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up at www.chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. We just kind of unpackaged the idea of how do you know people want it and where, where how do you know where they fall on the spectrum of, uh, I guess, the... The, the, the employee spectrum of I'm just here for a job or I'm here for a career. Uh, any other thoughts you guys want to get out before we move on? Cool. Um, so what I would like to do is kind of break this conversation up going forward into front of house and back of house. Um, what are best practices when it comes to training new hires uh, specific to front of house and specific to back of house? Uh, who wants to take it? Should I just select somebody? Three, two, one. Danielle, go for it. All right. Um, training people in the front of house. Say the question one more time. How do you? Let's get know granular, it? like special, like like let's like kind of focus on like what are some of the best practices, things that are unique to front of house that you wouldn't necessarily have to worry about in back of house. Got it. Got it. Um, I think front of house. I mean, if you're all interacting with guests. That's what you're doing. You're selling products. Um, you're seating people. You're with the guests. So the people skill is very very important interaction skill is very important for front of house where, I mean, we know back of house people, they don't have to have all the people skills in the world, uh, <laughs> um, which is, it's a fun little mix there. But um, I think in the front of house, yeah, when I'm training somebody or trying to see if they're a good fit for front of house, it's like, how are you interacting with guests? What are you saying? What are you saying to them? What's your like um, awareness of how professional you are or what the guest experience is? Um, do you have experience going out to eat a lot? Like, do you know what the flow should look like if we're in a fine dining restaurant? Like, do you know what proper etiquette is? Do you know like the little baby things, placing a napkin, how to do that? Like uh, setting tables, things like that. Um, and just being able to have conversation easily because even if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, if your server was great, if your busser was great, if the hostess was great and you had a good time with them, you might go back or be able to like, you know, you'll be like, Oh, I had this great experience with our server. Like the food wasn't great or it came out cold or we had to refire. We waited forever, but she was so great that we're going to go back and give it another try. So the people skills is, is really like the one thing I look for when I'm training front of house. So what about the actual material? Like paint the picture of the certain things uh, a, a full service casual restaurant front of house training should look like. What's that list of items that you should yeah. have to empower your team? Food menus broken down into exactly what you want your guests to know about. So components, allergy notes, um, how can the dish be modified? Are you letting them serve it all day long or just for lunch? Um, really detailed information about each item on your menu. Um, drink menus, same thing. Uniform guidelines. What do you look like when you walk through the door? Are you allowed? Oh, it says black pants. Well, can they be black jeans or black slacks only? Like getting really specific about uniform guidelines outlining your specific steps of service for each role. When I walk up to a table, 
what is what does the process look like? What am I supposed to say? Do you have a script that you want them to go off of? Um, floor floor numbers, sorry, table numbers, um, like a layout. Do you use a seat number? Do you because you don't want to auction food? So learning what seat one, what seat two, um, what else? What else is in there? Side work and like running lists of what you have to do throughout the day. Going over that, making sure that's really outlined health and safety guidelines. So like when health department comes in, you have the code word, what's that look like? Um, health and safety, what else, what else? Wine knowledge, um, how to properly serve wine. Yeah, am I just so like rambling? The, the one other, no, you're doing great. One other thing that comes to mind is just literal pictures of what the job done right looks like. So when you finish the job, what should that space look like? Where should things go? What, you know, what are the par stocks? Like all these things. Um, what about scheduling in like, so you're talking about all the material. I asked you to list all the materials you need. What does that look like when it's complete? But what about actually training people? What about here? Okay. So here are all the materials. So you have the assets, but then what? So I think normally when you're training front of house, you're going to break it into multiple days, right? Like, you come in for three days of training or five days of training, or if it's a really nice restaurant, you might have two weeks of training. Um, the first day, you're probably just going to be like rev- getting in a lot of information, going through everything. After that, you're probably with a trainer, somebody walking you through or you're shadowing somebody, making sure that that trainer is really keyed in on the material as well and then can either show them how things actually need to look walk them through you know playing videos or um how the service should go and uh just kind of like having that checklist that they can go off day by day together so they have the accountability and that extra person in the trainer to go through things with them as well does that make sense Awesome. Um, Ronnie, I'm, I'm reading your question right now. You said, what about leveling up, quote unquote, leveling up servers from, say, a fast casual or even a fast food concept to a casual bistro dining setting? Uh, what are the best practices to weed out what was acceptable in fast casual but doesn't fly in more formal settings? Great question. That's a good question. Oh, so I worked at a restaurant once that um, they were really, really big about I mean, it was fine dining. They were just like very, very strict about things. We couldn't say the word guys, you know, like just we had a list of things you couldn't say and things you couldn't do. Um, I think getting really going back to the organization part, getting really clear yourself about what those standards are is the first thing, because what seems to happen, especially if you have like a team of managers, one manager thinks it's okay to say guys, the other manager doesn't think it's okay. Making sure your management team is on the same page because it's very confusing to staff to be like, well, Johnny said it was okay to say it, but this person said it wasn't. Um, so getting yourself outlined there and then ha- giving your team access to that. You know, this is what you'd say. This is what you don't say. It's written out. It's very clear. It says it right here. Don't say guys. You said guys repeating, repeat, test, train, you know what I mean? Like saying it over and over again, there's going to be slip ups. You know, if I worked in fast casual forever and I'm just switching over to a more upscale fine dining situation, I'm going to say guys, or I'm going to 
do the thing that I did in fast casual, like have some patience and some empathy there, but make sure you're really clearly outlining what it is that is okay. And um, I think it's really important too, just to compound onto that, to have a list of just operating standards of expectations. Um, If, if, you don't want people to say guys in your restaurant, then that is an operating standard that you commit to paper and you put it down and there's a list of operating standards. And then from a line, a line from our, 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 I would love to call him a friend. He's not a friend yet. Maybe someday he'll be a friend. Danny Meyer says constant gentle pressure. They're not going to get it right out of the gates. They're going to say guys. And when you hear it, just like, Hey, remember we don't say that. Here's why it's written down. It's a standard. And you agreed to this when we hired you, you signed that you said that you agreed to this language. So, um, Josh, I want to give you an opportunity to weigh in if we've missed anything. Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, uh, it just goes back to, to what I was saying before. Uh, and if I could maybe just say it in a different way, um, look, every, every restaurant, every business is different than the next. And to assume, um, that people will know how you want things executed is a, is a, in my opinion, a bad assumption, right? And so no matter if they come from, if they're leveling up or if they, um, you know, come from a similar type of restaurant or not, um, I, I, I always tend to always assume, um, that they're starting from ground zero with you because you want them to do things the way that you do them the way that you believe they should be done. You're expressing your vision through this food, through this business. Um, and your um, salsa verde is different from the next person's, not just because it might be different ingredients, but because of your approach. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think being explicit is so important. Too often we are implicit with things, right? Like go chop these vegetables, go puree this thing, go um, clean the walk-in, right? But how do you want it done? Right. Because if you uh, if the impetus is on you to uh, and it's also the opportunity for you to say, this is how I want it done. And this is my vision for how I believe in, in these things should be done. And then, you know, it it it, it creates a sense of um, of objectivity to things that that is so important. Uh, and so no matter what, I always I think you need to have a really, really detailed you know plan and you really need to have. Um, detail in how you want things executed. And that's in the back of house. That's of course, recipes. And that's just not, not just a list of ingredients of those recipes, but exactly how you want them to be treated and how the recipe works. And it's not just recipes. It's also processed, right? Do you have SOPs? Like how do you set up a station? How do you clean the walk-in? How do you clean your herbs? How do you store your herbs? Uh, Those are all specific to you. Uh, And they might be the same as somebody else, but it's important that you clarify that because um, if they don't do it the way you wanted, um, then th- th- that's on you, right? Because you didn't, you didn't, you know, create a, this explicit environment for them uh, of what needs to be done. And that solves the problem of leveling up, right? Because um, yes, you did it this way before, but here's our way, right? And it also gives you that, that opportunity to inject your personality, to inject your sort of, um, you know, your style into these things and, and, and making it fun. Um, because why do you do it that way, right? Like what, we'll tell them a bit, a bit about like, you know, about why it, it, it is this way for you. And then they're going to be that more excited and they're going to remember it more too as well. Um, that's sort of more sort of kind of the soft side of things. I think there's also, you know, I have like specific um ideas on how people ingest information and what works better. Um, I mean, clearly like there's so many studies nowadays that like, 
you know, I think 95% of employees, you know, feel that like video is far more effective than text, right? So where can you use video instead of text? Uh, especially nowadays with, with, you know, with younger people expecting that, um, you know, and uh, just in time information as opposed to just in case is a big one, right? Um, giving somebody a booklet um, to walk home with um, or something to go read when they're home, they will forget more than half of that, right? Um, and uh, whereas if you can create small chunks of information, yes, I'm plugging me while I'm doing this. This is exactly how we built it. But, um, you know, while they're doing the thing, if they can see, oh, okay, this is how I'm supposed to clean the air. This is how I'm supposed to do that thing. And seeing that sort of quick, like 30 second, like, you know, video, and maybe it's even you telling them how, right? Yeah. Then they know they're hearing it from the horse's mouth. They know that they can correct themselves in real time. Uh, and they feel more confident about being able to do things the right way. Yeah. And we, we kind of, we've been echoing this idea of getting organized, having your systems, processes, procedures, protocols, standards, all that stuff written down. And then the job descriptions and the responsibilities of those job descriptions and literally anything you can think of as to what the framing of your, your, the roles and the expectations are, get those written down, get organized. I do want to talk about how we can leverage technology today to get more organized and more omnipresent than ever before uh, with this information. But I'm really curious before we get into that evolution. First, I want to cover what about skit? Like it's enough. It's not enough to have these things. You need to have rituals around these things, scheduled appointments or not appointments, but meetings where we reinforce these things. What does that look like? And then I want to focus on the back of house, unique elements of the back of house. But before we get there, my thought process is it's not enough just to have these tools and services. You need scheduled training around them, reoccurring training. Uh, so there's the initial training. And then what after? Like what's, what's, what should the training after initial training look like? Well, I think it depends on how often your product is changing. If you have a menu that updates every day, that needs, you need to be testing or training on it every day. If your menu never changes, I mean, if we're talking specifically about um, front of house, you know, um, if your menu is never updated, if prices never update, I don't really need to be retested all the time on how to relay that information to my guests. So if part of it is, is up to your venue to decide how much material is changing, how often do we need to retest now, not just food and drink information, but you know, with COVID the table numbers are going to change because we have limited seating and, you know, how, um, how are the sections going to work? Because now we have five servers and 12 tables and it's different, like those things changing or, Oh, we're going to do new side worksheets. Like when your material is updated is when you need to be retraining. If not, I mean, there's restaurants I work with. They're like, nothing ever updates. We've done everything the same for a hundred years and so we really just train new people. And then once they're in, they're in and blah, you know what I mean? So for them, it's less of a, of a thing to constantly be retraining. But then, you know, another restaurant, they have um, a prefix menu that changes every night. So their staff is basically learning a new menu every single night. And then their cocktail menu changes like every three months, you know, so they're learning a whole new cocktail program. It really is just kind of gauging how much testing and training your team needs based on what your, your venue looks like. Yeah. Um, Josh thoughts before I, I, I weigh in. 
Uh, yeah, well, I think if I, if I heard the question right, it's sort of what, what's sort of like the process or schedule of, of things that you put in place for these yeah, trainings. Like how, how often, and, how regular, yeah, how often? Well, I think, you, you know, it's almost like going to, um, going to school, right, where it's, it's more important to teach people um, the, the why and the how, uh, because then they will, um, you know, in a, in a great scenario, you are changing your menu fairly often, right? Because, um, uh, you're changing with the seasons or with inspirations, or at least you're creating specials and, and, um, you know, teaching people the way that you do things, um, will have a, a lot more long tail impact than, uh, than just sort of short, short term of like, here's how to make a recipe, um, or here's what that recipe is if you're front of house. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, no matter what, there's, there's, any good training has validation along the way, right? And, so, and you have to you have to schedule that in. You know, and how you validate depends on your methodology. Some people really like testing. Some people like just seeing and doing. Uh, it depends on, on on the environment. But um, you know, I think you, that that's just a part of the process, right? Is you learn something, you validate that you learned it, you do it again, and then you validate it until you like until you can do it with your eyes closed. And that just that just needs, needs to be part of the part of the process i'm a big fan of doing it you know more often than not along the way meaning like rather than checking in at the end of the day or the end of the week with a new with a new employee uh checking in after almost every sort of like um like a bit of a bit of like work that they're doing okay we just did this like how do you feel about that um you know and show me again yeah. uh and show me again and show me again and that that tends to be in my in, in my like experience the best way to kind of um, yeah, and that's kind of where I am. So um, the thoughts I have, I think there's different levels of training. There's different tiers of training. There's the initial training, obviously. Then there's also daily training, the 15 minutes before you guys open when you're doing your meeting. Like, what are you? Is there an educational piece to that? Are you resurfacing standards? And uh, I know at uh, the Ritz Carlton, Hertz Schultze created basically a, a, a ritual every day they go over one of the standards of excellence to reinforce that and they give an example of where they saw it in the restaurant since the last time they went over it so you're constantly so there's the the initial training where it's like drinking from a fire hose like you're you're learning everything before you get started then there's the the gentle daily reinforcement of your standards and then there's the 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 quarterly and then the the annual and then there's the individual training that josh was talking about there's the group training this is the things that we're all refreshing on and now here's on the the quarterly review or the annual review of like here's where you were last time here's where you are today and like it's i think there's there needs to be systems around training so you 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 know, like in standardization and rituals around this stuff that happens constantly. Yeah. I, 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 I couldn't agree more, man. And I, and I think, um, yeah, independent of the, of the, um, sort of the tactical, tactical, like initial training of like how to actually execute the job just as important, if not, well, for sure, way more important is training sort of the values of your business. And that needs to be, um, inundated in everything that you do. You know, at Mies, we have, we, I'm a big believer in first principle thinking. And so my team is very autonomous because we have these first principles that we all abide by. Um, and everybody has to know them because that's how we make decisions. That's how we understand if they're, you know, even if it was the wrong decision, if it was made through the lens of these first principles, then it's okay because uh, it's what we believe in. And, and ultimately it will, it will be the right decision. And we have to like, 
then sort of um, infiltrate that into all kinds of like daily and weekly things. Like uh, we have a shout out channel on our, on our Slack uh, channel where we shout out someone that represented one of these first principles, whether it's operational empathy or, you know, being maniacal about details. And that's actually what makes your, your business really special is, is those things, right. And, and every opportunity you have to, to, to keep, drilling it into people to the point where like, they're like, okay, I got it. Like we understand it. We can, we can recite these and then just keep doing it. Right. Because um, that's, that's how you actually create something that's like unique and special and, and really your, your vision as well. But it has to be ritualistic and cult like in nature, honestly. And it seems crazy, but like you, you have to like, you got to drink the Kool-Aid every day, you know, and you got to, you know, force it down the, the throats of your employees too. The restaurant teams that do really well seem to have like a really awesome pre-shift. The pre-shifts that I sit in on is like high energy and they like play games and they kind of pick on each other a little bit. There's like this camaraderie, but then they're also learning new things and, and taking tests or just reiterating the, the material over and over again. Like that, if you're talking about rituals, pre-shift for front of house is like, it's it. If you miss pre-shift, it's going to be a rough one. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Josh, I want to give you an, an opportunity. And Ronnie, I did see your questions. I, I want to save those to the end. Uh, we'll come back to those. I just don't want you to think we're ignoring them. Uh, Josh, I wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to to address the back of house things that are unique to the back of house when it comes to training, uh, specifically new hires. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same sort of general premise, right? Other, other than we have very specific recipes, right, that uh, need to be dialed in uh, and they need to be as explicit as possible, like I mentioned. And they need to be organized in as many ways as possible, right? So you want to, of course, organize them by maybe by station, but also by type and by season and all, menus, all the ways in which you can organize your content so that people can easily find it. Um, and I think it's really important that everybody like collectively knows that there's some sort of source of truth of your, um, of your recipes, because that's, that's what you do. Um, independent of the recipes, what I would say is SOPs are really, really important and keeping them as simple as possible. Um, I always have a, like a, a saying to my team, like if, uh, if you don't know where the SOP lives, and you can't quickly recite it to me, uh, then it's not a good enough SOP, right? Because ten, what tends to happen is you build all these processes for things and you put them away somewhere uh, and then no one knows where they live or they don't remember where they are and they're really long, so it takes a long time to get through it. And at, at the end of the day, it should be something like if, if you want to know how to clean the walk-in, you should be able to figure out in like five minutes from this thing. Hopefully there's like a video and some pictures um, and it should live centralized in some place. So documenting your recipes, documenting your process and before any of that happens and then throughout the 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 time like we were just talking about it's like very clearly um expressing division for your business like why you're doing what you do everybody needs to understand when they step into your kitchen um you know what you believe in and how you're executing that through your food uh and then they, they will they they will act accordingly now a lot of that will just be if you've built a good enough culture a lot of that's just going to happen right if everybody has really tight stations and their six pans are in right angles and they have their you know a nicely folded c fold c folds and their towel on their side and um you know their knives are on the ta- you know if all those things are there and the walk-in is clean um because you've already built that culture well 
that's actually the best way to train because, you know, human nature is to sort of uh, assimilate. Uh, and so when you see everybody doing something, you're going to do it the same way. You're not going to be an outlier. Um, so, um, you know, apart from, so of course, having the documentation, right. Being re- really maniacal about like making sure that everybody's following this along the way, uh, makes training way easier. Yeah. And I think one, uh, it was mentioned in the past, you kind of reinforce it just then too, especially with the backup house. I think this is really important is compartmentalizing and creating sections in your kitchen versus, and I've worked in kitchens where it's like this, where you're hired and they're like, here's the kitchen, you know? And like, they kind of just throw you in a spot, but like in your mind, like you don't know where your responsibilities start or end and it's kind of like everything kind of like mixes into each other. If you create like clear sections where you're like, this section is your section. Like you're responsible for just this section, cleaning this section, restocking this section, par stocking this section. Like, and this is the, the standards, the specs to just this section right here, because then you can give them a small bite of a, a, a little miniature world in the greater world of the kitchen. That isn't overwhelming. They just have to focus on that one section or just doing one thing really well. And if, if you have different sections and you, and you have like very basic sections versus more complex se- sections, you can start them in those basic sections. And then once they master that, move them to the next section and then graduate people through the, the restaurant. Um, Danielle, Josh, want to reflect on what I just, I just shared, just compartmentalizing sections. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a natural, it's naturally what happens in kitchens with stations. <laughs> yeah. Every, every, kitchen is a little different. Some people have like the very, you know, um, old school kind of like regard and there's entremetiers and rotisseurs and sauciers and, uh, and it's more clear what the sort of like, um, you know, what the path of progression is there. Um, but you know, when there's not that there's a saute cook and a grill cook and a, and a hot apps cook. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm not sure you can execute a menu if you, if you don't do that, because, you know, you have to figure out some way, you know, to, like this goes out and yeah. then this goes out. I have so this vision. Just, like when you first get started, you're like usually the only person in the kitchen, right? And you just do everything and then you hire somebody else and then you split it up. But over time, I feel like there's going to be clear sections in divisions of work um, where if you're a new company, you, you might not, you might just throw them into it and say, you know, follow me around, shadow me. Like if it's a, a less official restaurant, I don't know. Um, but maybe I, I haven't seen that, but not I, it, doing it, that. Could, it, it could be, it, 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 it might be the case. Uh, well, you you went to culinary school and you've only worked in the best restaurants in the country, so I'm sur- I'm not surprised you haven't seen that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, look, I, there there's I'm I'm sure, sure there's certainly restaurants where there's you know starts with one with one person. I think typically, you know, I would recommend even if you have one person, still break it up and know that you're working multiple stations, um, just so you can kind of sort of contextualize. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, having you know the human brain can only like you know take in so much information at once. Um, and so, and they, and you need like guardrails around it. Otherwise it's just very overwhelming. And that's, and that's typically how you'll, you know, set up training. And that's, I think that's probably another reason why we have stations is just to, you know, kind of put some guardrails around yes. what you're learning. Awesome. Uh, Danielle, before we go, <clears throat> before we go to break, any other thoughts? Yeah, I just think it's a little different in front of house because we're all trying to give the guests the best experience as possible. And so if a runner or a busser is walking by a table and they're like, Hey, I, we want to order. They should be able to either take an order or say, Hey, let me get your server real quick. 
Um, and so I think when you're when you're training an inexperienced front of house employee, definitely break it up into bite sized pieces. Hey, you're coming on as a host. You're going to train as a host until you're solid in that role. But then we're also going to have you learn the or go through the training of all the other front of house roles as well. Be <clears throat> a time when a guest needs something that typically another role would do, but because our our job is to make the guest experience as good as possible. Like you need to be able to jump in. It bothers me when I'm out to eat and like I ask a, a busser for, um, you know, Hey, can, can you get me a glass of water or can I order a drink? And then he's like, Oh no, I, I don't, I can't do that. I have to get your server. Like really, you know? And so I think in the good restaurant, the, the restaurants that um, do their training well, I think, being trained on all roles in front of house is really helpful um, just because of that exception that we're, we're working with the guests. Beautiful. That's all. All right. One more quick break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to talk about uh, the evolution of training and where training is today and what your training could and should look like in the 21st century. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure profitability and restaurant success, especially with this labor shortage. You need to rely and trust technology more than ever before. And dialing in your labor management is one of the most positive, dramatic impacts you can make on your business's bottom line. And when it comes to labor management, Seven Shifts is one of the most, if not the most, organically recommended labor management platforms on the show. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communication, tasks, tips, and more all from one place. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you're already using like toast to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant Unstoppable members get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Today's episode is brought to you by Talk to the Manager. Look, nowadays people rather send you a text message than speak to you directly face to face. That's just the way people choose to communicate and there's not much we can do about it or is there. Talk to the Manager allows guests to share feedback or ask questions in a way that makes them feel comfortable and is also convenient to you. Don't worry about personal information being shared. Customers won't see your personal phone number, just the number that Talk to the Manager provides. You can even delegate customer feedback and divide the workload amongst your managers. Multiple managers can receive these texts. When one manager replies to a customer, the other staff will see their responses too. What I personally love most about Talk to the Manager is that you can fix issues immediately in private before complaints go public online. Many times when people do write a negative review, it's because they just want to be heard and talk to the manager gives them that outlet to be heard before they bring it publicly and drag your name through the mud. Plus, 
with talk to the manager, get issues brought to your attention, whether it's an issue with your restaurant's service, product, or facility. Your guests will let you know whether you want to hear it or not, but this will help you improve. Using talk to the manager is so intuitive that no technology is required. If you can send a text message, you can use talk to the manager. Show guests you care enough to listen with talk to the manager. Head to talk to the manager.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your 60 day trial. That's www.talktothemanager.com slash unstoppable. We are back. And uh, what I would like to get into before we wrap up today's conversation, we talked a lot about uh, what training should look like, but the the world of, tra- of training is evolving. Uh, there's a reason why Danielle and Josh are here. Uh, I went to them specifically because I knew that uh, Danielle created a solution for training for front of house. It's called Yelly app. And then we got Joshua who has a solution for training in the back of house. It's called the Mies. So kind of both of you uh, get into the evolution of what training looks like and, and why we should be thinking about if we're not leveraging technology in training, why we should think about that. Starting with, I'll go with you, Josh. I've been picking on Danielle. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the purpose of technology, in, in my opinion, um, well, there's only real, like two real like, purposes, I think, as it relates to hospitality. Right? It's either to amplify things that we already do or to replace things that we do. And uh, there's opportunities with both, right? Um, and so uh, in the, you know, the restaurant industry specifically has had a pretty like um, short adoption curve up until very recently in terms of like embracing technology. And we only recently have been able to, um, you know, introduce more technology because it's being embraced more, um, which means there's just a, a world of opportunity to to optimize for so many things in terms of like optimizing for, for labor and for um, data efficiency and for distributing, you know, information and all the things sort of in between. So, um, I mean, it's a big part of obviously the, the ethos of what we're doing with Mies is trying to help uh, kitchens and chefs do what they do better, faster, and smarter. Um, you know, we don't want to, we're not looking to replace, we're looking to sort of, you know, um, understand deeply what, what they do and help them to do it, um, you know, it, it just better. Um, so, uh, part of what we, you know, what we were um, d- discussing earlier was, um, well, how do we do that? Right. So, uh, distributing information is something that I think has always been a, um, a pain in the butt. Um, making sure everybody has the most up to date recipes, the most up to date training, uh, that they've gotten rid of the old things that they were. So they're not making the old sauce or doing the, the old thing. And do they have the old order guide and the old prep list? And all that needs to be updated in lots of different places, um, in all these sort of disparate systems. And, uh, so we, we, we try to solve that by just having sort of one, Literally, immediately, as soon as you update a recipe, everything is updated in real time. Everybody gets notified. If you change a recipe, everybody gets notified. They see the the, the change in the recipe. Um, so, you know, optimizing for, like, uh, distribution information is one uh, that technology really helps with. Um, you know, creating sort of environments where you can, like, you know, experience this information um, in ways that you couldn't without technology, like for instance, video, right? Like how can we give you little, you know, bits of information with video and make it easy for you to do that? Because, you know, you don't have a videographer in your kitchen all day long taking videos of how you do things. How do, how do we create a way that the chefs can do this really easily so that they can you know express what they want to do and have the team, you know, see it in real time. And if they want to change something, let's just say that I noticed that my, um, cooks aren't straining the braising liquid um, afterwards. 
because I saw it was in the recipe. Well, I can, in the kitchen, I can take a video of myself straining the, the liquid, making sure I'm pressing it really well, um, adding, adding that as a new step, dragging it up, and now everybody gets notified, hey, the braised pork is now updated, and make sure you strain the liquid. Right? Uh, so just figuring out ways to, uh, to amplify what we're already doing um, to make it just faster and, and, and easier. Danielle. Yeah, um, love all that, Josh. Literally going to say the same thing about front of house because Yelly is the tool to keep everyone up to date on information that changes in the front of house side. Uh, so not just with food and drink menus, but all the other you know uniform guidelines, steps of service, side worksheets, that kind of thing. Um, that you know, yeah, we're slow to adopt to technology. I think I said it at the beginning, like we like our pen and paper. Uh, I have a restaurant I was working with, they're like, yeah, we don't use a POS system. Like we are literally still on taps. You know what I mean? They're just like a one, one off shop. And they, they're like, we love it. Why fix what's not broken. And so like getting people to implement technology, getting restaurant owners and managers to implement technology because we have younger staff that live on technology. They live on their phones. I live on my phone. Like, it's crucial, I think, in this turning point that we're going through. I think COVID kind of catapulted us into implementing more technology for some reason. Because I, I feel like before it was very, like, not a thing. And now all of a sudden it is, like, to your point, Josh, about very quickly kind of coming into this age. So um, I also think technology gives you the ability to get really organized. Like, if I'm going to create a training binder for all my new hires that's a lot of work and I have to go find everything that I need, whether it's typing it out myself, finding templates somewhere, getting with my chef to make menu matrices that he probably has spreadsheets of from his last three jobs. Like creating that book is really, really hard. And like with Yelly specifically, it kind of gives you a template of the holes that you're missing. Oh, we didn't outline side worksheets. We didn't, go over company info. So there's platforms that are that give you the ability to see the big picture of your training and see what gaps you're missing. So I think that's a really good tool as well. Yeah. Uh, one way I know that most of the pushback for operators when they think about leveraging technology is like, this is one more monthly expense I have to worry about. And uh, yeah, maybe it might only be 10 bucks a month, but it stacks up when you have a bunch of different things. Okay. So I'm going to use a line from, um, David Scott Peters, who's a repeat guest on the show, he's he one of the lines he shared with me when I I think it was the first time I ever had him on the show. He said, "You want to have people dependent. Sorry, you want to have system dependent operations, not people dependent operations." And when you think about training, uh, usually the person who's responsible for training is is the most expensive person you have on on staff, right? And when you're giving them the responsibility of putting together these booklets of updating these booklets of being the person who's responsible for making sure everybody knows what they're doing. And, and that's a lot of work for one person for the most expensive person you have on payroll. When you could create a system dependent business where you, you put all these things into a, a technology, a system, and then you centralize that and you, you streamline it. So yeah, it might be a little bit more expensive per month, but what are you paying on? What's the cost of having to, paying somebody to update these things and to keep them like that's all time a time is money and the other thing is if that person leaves what happens you know they take all that information with them or uh they i don't know it's just when we can lean on systems and technology and become a, a system dependent organization it's just so much better 
And uh, I think it's just something to keep into consideration when we think about cost. Uh, What's the cost of not training somebody well? Where, you know, by not teaching them how to upsell, but not teaching them what the standards are like, you're losing money when you don't have a tight run organization. So when you have the tools that you can empower your people, what, what money are you saving? I think that's the way you have to think if you want to be a successful operator today is not like what's the upfront base value of this, but like how much better am I going to be overall because of it? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. I, would, I mean, I think it's, it's also important to sort of note here that, um, Sometimes the investment isn't always money as well when it comes to like, you know, training and, and, uh, it's, it's, it's money in terms of like your time. Um, but I think there's a, be, operators oftentimes will underestimate the value of spending time of like really thinking through how to systematize their operation. You know, I think, you know, people are like, we're seeing people get replaced all the time, right? Technology is replacing anything that's repetitive. And, you know, now with AI technologies replacing things that aren't just repetitive, but like things that have any sort of logic, we can tend to deploy some technology against it. So, um, you know, a person that you're relying on for training isn't, isn't, is, um, you know, it is tough. Like they, they're they they should be there more culturally and sort of like for marshalling kind of your, your, your vision through. But, you know, if you spend the time to really think through um, like, how is this supposed to be done and really di- dialing in, you know, those um, training materials and those recipes, you, you'll find, I think that, 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 um, that you have much better success and it will cost you less in the long run. Um, you know, because you can hand somebody something that they can use and learn without um, spending too much time on it. Yeah. I think, the, you know, it happens a lot in the in the kitchens where, and this is more of an old school kind of notion, but where like chefs think that they don't need recipes and that uh, I don't use recipes, which I think is asinine um, because, um, yes, if you're cooking by yourself at home, maybe you can go and do that. But like, if you have a business, it means that you need to repeat something consistently over and over and you're not going to be the one that does it if you want a business that's running well because you need to be thinking about other things and that means that you need to dial in your recipes you don't just need recipes you need them to be good and um you know and that means that you need to take the time to really like explain how they are done um and if you do take that time it does take work you have to step back. Okay. How am I making this sauce? What am I doing? What are the little idiosyncrasies that I'm doing to this thing? And then documenting that it takes time and it takes effort, but then it's there. And so it's so much more scalable. Uh, and then especially if you have technology that you can sort of implement it into, then it becomes really scalable. Um, but it is an upfront investment of time. Uh, but I think that to your point, Eric, the long term, you know, gain from that is, is, is far greater than, um, than if you don't. Yeah. One other way to look at it too, uh, I think when people think of investing in a technology, uh, they're just looking at like, again, like, uh, another thing I have to pay for. However, like think about it, like you have to create systems, processes, procedures, protocols in your business. All a technology is, is a, somebody who has created that system already has built it into a service as a software. And instead of you going out and building a new system, from scratch, you can plug one into your restaurant that will be way better than anything that you could ever do likely as a chef, because that's not where your skill set is. You're not coding. You're not creating these technologies. Your, your job is a chef. Your job isn't creating systems and processes. I mean, it is as a chef. I mean, that's something you have to do, but why not plug one in? That's the best yeah. version of that versus yeah. creating it from scratch. Absolutely. Like, I, I always, I, I like to tell sort of like, like re- restaurant owners to think about, you know, there are times when you need to think about your business as a big business, 
Whereas like the, um, when you think about Google, for example, right. And, and, and big businesses like that, they, they're always thinking about build or buy, right. Do I build this in house or is there, is there more economy scale? If I acquire a company that does this thing, right. Um, and in, in restaurants, it's really build, hire or buy, right. Do I build this thing in house, which nobody's doing right. The, most restaurants are not building their own technology. Um, they're relying on people to do these things or do I, um, you know, buy software that will that will solve it, for, you know, for us. And it's the same thought process of do I make my own sauerkraut or do I buy a really good sauerkraut? Which one's going to cost me more or less? And I, the, 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 the problem that I think is actually now starting to sort of, you know, become a lot more um, crystallized and people understand more deeply is that um, in a restaurant, look, at the end of the day, no matter what, I've run a lot of restaurants and, 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 and own many and, and it is, it's, it is a tough business where every dollar counts and there are months when you don't pay yourself and there are months when you're thinking of deciding between buying this or your or, or, or that and you don't have a lot of choices. So, you know, we all have to be very sympathetic to that as, as, as tech, you know, businesses. Um, but um, if you can, as an operator, see um, the opportunity cost of the the difference between, you know, $99 a month or an employee that's doing something, um, it's, it's very obvious, but it is hard to sort of see, you know, see past the, the, the short term when you're, when you're, when you're operating on tight margins. Um, but you know, you open up so much more opportunity for growth and improvement when you, when you do embrace these things, it, but you know, it, it is, it is tough to see sort of the, um, it's another cost, even though it's actually going to save you in the long run. Um, it seems like another cost. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I think we can open it up. Uh, we have a couple questions that are in the comment. Uh, I want to be, I want to give Janae an opportunity to speak up too. Janae, you've been here in quiet in the background. If you have any questions, now's the time to get them out. Uh, Ronnie, we can start with you since you, um, have typed in your questions. You want me just to let you unmute your mic and ask away? Yeah, that's fine. If that's what you want to do. Go for it. Uh, you want me to start with the first question I put in? Go for it. Okay, cool. Um, well, I, it's, it's in terms of like instilling your vision in your employees, because we do get a lot of our servers that come from a different setting. And the mindset is give the customer whatever they want, no matter what, just, you know, just give it to them. And our vision is a little different than that. We don't do a la carte. And so every now and then I'll get a server who insists that we serve a guest, basically a build your own meal out of an a la carte when that really doesn't fit into our system. So I'm wondering how we kind of win them over to our vision of an a la carte plate isn't the best plate or doing this this way isn't really in, in you know, in, in concept. So how do you win over an employee who's been trained one way into a, your vision and get them to kind of drink the Kool-Aid and, and reject the old training in deference to the new training? I think... Uh, go ahead, Daniel. Just from the front of house side, like uh, communicating what, why, why do you not serve a la carte dishes? Why does it make sense for, for that not to be offered? Like, what is it about what you are serving that you want the guests to experience? Like lay it out for them in really clear terms because that, and then have them explain that to the guests. I'm really sorry. You know, chef doesn't, 
um, allow for individual a la carte dishes. This is why the dishes were created to give you this experience, this blah, blah, blah. Like if they can explain that to the guests and then they're not, because what, when you come from this mentality of like, give the guests what they want, you're, um, you're kind of scared to, for them to get mad at you. Like you don't want the guests to be upset. You, you know, you're getting tipped. You, you're trying to like keep them on your, the good side. Right. And so if someone's like, Oh, well, I really want just the steak. I don't want any of the other stuff. And they get real aggressive with you. You, your tendency is to be like, okay, let me go talk to chef. Um, I sh- I'm sure we can do it. Um, but in what better situation there, if you know the menu and you know, chef isn't going to do an a la carte steak, like, I'm so sorry. I know that's what you want. I wish we could do it, but that's just not in our game plan. Like kind of making so that they have the confidence to explain that and get themselves out of that situation themselves before they come back to you. Great stuff. Uh, Josh, did you want to say something? I know that you gave the floor to Danielle. Were you going to chime in? Um, well, I want to be careful here with, um, the, I a hundred percent agree. You, you know, explaining the vision is, is, is why, why is it all, why is an a la carte is the most important thing. Um, and they have to believe it. And if they don't believe it, then, um, well, again, it's kind of on you, right? Like, do, you know, are you, are you expressing it clearly enough? Um, does it make sense? Um, do they understand? Because if, if the concept is right, right. If it, if it shouldn't be a la carte, um, and there's a reason why, well, then that reason should be sort of, um, manifested in just sort of, you know, happy customers and, 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 and happy staff. If you, assuming the majority of people are cool with this and it's working, right. Then, um, you might want to uh, uh, start to talk to those customers, understand why they love it, what, what, what works well for them. Because if, if those customers are seeing a lot of value out of this, out of this menu, that's not a la carte, um, you know, doubling down on, on that understanding, like understanding what they love about it so that you can use those sort of um, word, like they might have some keywords that you hear that you can help tease out that you can tease out to start talking to other customers about uh, or to your staff about, of course, you know, if, if a, a de minimis portion of, of, of the customers actually like, like the, this non a la carte thing, then there might be another problem there um, where it's um, it's the notion. It makes sense, but either it's not being communicated well, or, or maybe, maybe it needs to sort of, you know, you need to have other options. So, and, and that's why I was saying, sort of, I wanted to be careful about this because um, if, if, if people, if there's enough people that do love it, um, you know, and, and you're having trouble with, with uh, the staff or, or customers sort of, you know, being able to understand, I would understand what, what, what are those value props that people love and seeing if you can tease out some keywords or, or things like that, that you can then use to sort of, you know, communicate the vision a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, one more question that came in uh, from Janae. Um, Janae, you can either unmute or I can read it for you. Oh, looks sure. like you're going to read it. Go for it. Hi, sorry, I was driving for a big part of that, so I was kind of going in and out. Um, But so the restaurant that I work at, we use hot schedules right now, which I didn't hear everything um, about me's and Yelly, but I'm definitely interested in looking into that a little more. Um, Our biggest issue is how to hold people accountable for checking those things um, so that they know that there are changes. Um, are there any suggestions that you have about how to hold people accountable for checking or do is like me's or, um, Yelly have something where it's, 
it shows if a message has been read by an employee. There's also a certain like level that. of, um, are we even allowed to have that expectation from our employee when they're not working in, in our restaurant? If they're taking work, True. are they salary or is it their responsibility to be plugged in as an hourly employee mm-hmm. all the time? That's one of the issues that we, yeah. we run into with technology is it follows us even when we don't want it to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But I, I think it's, it's a little bit, uh, uh, Danielle can probably speak to this with, 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 um, with Yale, with me is it, it's a big part of what we, what we do, obviously you're cooking these recipes in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so we want to know, are you reading the recipe? Are you, did you look at step three? Um, yeah. you know, did you, and if you're, uh, if you're one of my sous chefs, did you edit this recipe? I want to, I want to know, uh, things like that. So, so we do want to be able to validate that. Um, and, I, it's a it's a very you know valid concern. I will say I I'm I, I try to also just think about in terms of process. Like, are there other things that that we can do internally as a as a, as a business as a restaurant um, uh, to make it easier for them to check things because. Um, you know, you have to remove as much friction as possible for them to actually check it, right? Because if it's really hard for them to check it, then they probably won't. Um, and the other thing is like, do they want to check it? And if they don't want to check it, why, why is that? You know, maybe the materials, maybe, maybe it's too dense. Maybe it's just, um, it, it's overwhelming because it's not in small pieces. So, you know, assuming that none, none of that happens, it, it sounds like technology probably can solve that pretty well for you for just like understanding if people are, are you know, are, are looking at things at least i mean eric has a good point there's some compliance issues around uh, what you can can't um do i mean there are some lms systems that won't allow people to log in unless they're in a certain sort of geotagged area um so um you know and i don't, I don't know if yelly app is that way Mies is not that way um but um but there, there are some systems that do that there's a i will say you know um separate from yelly and Mies. There's another app that I really like um, called Blanket, um, and it's like a task management app, and uh, that's basically what they do. Um, is they're just you know if you're it, it doesn't really sort of relate to the kitchen, um, not necessarily really front of house like training either. Um, it's not expensive, so it's something you can layer on, um, but um, it's a really great way to sort of just like see if everybody's doing uh, what they're supposed to be doing and understand like being notified if they're not. And, um, and you can get reports on what's, uh, what's happening. You can also sort of engage with, with the, the employees and incentivize them. So, um, uh, and I will say just candidly, like the founder is a friend of mine. So um, I, I, I will say that, but uh, it is a really incredible you know tool for, for that specifically. So. Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned a blanket uh, because what was going yeah. through my mind is how do you get somebody to do something in, you put it on the checklist. And if, if reading messages is important to you in your operation, then the first thing that your employees do when they clock in and the first thing on every checklist is get like, read your inbox, you know, and then you can't check that thing. You can't move beyond that thing until it's done. So I think it's incorporating standards into checklists, expectations into checklists. Um, and I think blanket's a great tool to do that. Uh, Danielle, did you want to add on to that? Yeah, um, Blanket is awesome. Also have talked to the founder. They're just a good company, um, but they do checklists so well um, that that would definitely be the best kind of way to get the daily reports of who's doing what. Um, With Yelly, it's like with day-to-day training, they have to check off that they've done each thing and you can see 
what they've checked off that they've done. But, um, you know, and they get daily notifications as things update, but there's no way to necessarily see if who's all seen the notification, you know, but in, if you use Blanket or another kind of checklist app, then you could say, okay, make sure first thing you do when you come in is check your Yelly notifications, check your Mies notifications, make sure all your messages are cleared there. You know, I think it's tough in the restaurant industry to hold employees accountable versus other industries. It's like, there's just so many moving parts. We're not sitting at a desk. We're not, you know, it's just a different industry. It's a different type type of people that we're working with, you know? And so it's this ongoing thing, um, you know, compliance of when can you send a notification to somebody? When can they be logged into um, a learning system? Things like that. Like, we're working around all that because our employees most are usually not salary. They're usually hourly. And so it, you know, it's something we're constantly kind of trying to figure out the, like, what do restaurant operators really need to be holding people accountable for? And maybe it goes back to the organization element of like really dialing in what it is you want each person to do and then making sure that is something you want that matters to be held accountable for. Yeah. I think that's all of our questions. Uh, Ronnie, I did see that you, you have more in the comment sections, but they seem more like comments and reinforcing what we were already saying. So um, unless you have any other questions, now's the time to get them out. No, I just want to say thank you to Daniel and Joshua. It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, just hearing their insights and uh, having a little more information about their resources uh, is phenomenal. And I think it's exactly what I was looking for when I asked you to, to, you know, look at this kind of a workshop. Awesome. So, so glad to hear that. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for showing up. Thank you, Janae, for showing up. Thank you to Josh and Danielle for being here and, and sharing your knowledge and your resources with us. Um, any final thoughts or how, how can we connect to both you, Danielle and Josh, if we're interested in your resources? Yeah. Um, you can just go to yellyapp.com and all of our info is there. We're on Instagram, all the things. Um, yeah, we're around. Yellyapp.com and Josh? Uh, getmees.com. Get Mees, M-E-E-Z. I will say that Mees has an affiliate program if you use that link. Um, Getmees.com slash unstoppable. Correct me if I'm wrong, Josh. That's mm-hmm. the link, right? Uh, you will That's be supporting right. the show, and um, he pays me a commission for that. It's a it's a great right. deal, and the tool I believe in. I also really believe in what, what Danielle is doing with Yelly. She does not have an affiliate program yet. Yeah, but I'll get you one. Even if you don't go to uh, getmes.com slash unstoppable, when you sign up, there's a little question that asks about restaurant unstoppable. So if you check that box, we'll know anyway. So. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for your support. And that will be it for today. Uh, we'll wrap it there as I'm getting a phone call at the very end. I don't know if you guys could hear that or not. Beautiful timing. All right, we'll cut it there. Thank you guys so much. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guests today, Danielle Casilio and Joshua Sharkey. Also, a special thanks to Ronnie for uh, suggesting this topic. It was a really great idea. I hope you found value in what we share with you today. And I hope you listeners found value in what we share with you today. And um, lots of great stuff came out of today's chat. Uh, I just want to reinforce the uh, idea that uh, Mies is an affiliate. And uh, this is a great tool. And we didn't even scratch the surface 
of what Mies can do. Frankly speaking, I tell my, my guests whenever they represent a product or service that I don't want to make the episode a giant pitch. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to learn. You're specialists and we want to learn from you. And there's great resources out there to take what used to be a lot I mean, it's still a lot of work, but it used to be a whole lot more work to build out these systems, to build this training programs. We can use these tools and resources that are at our disposal today. And like, and like I mentioned on the show, like you have to create these systems and processes anyway. There's no way you, without the tech background, are going to be able to create something as efficient, as effective as what these people who've dedicated their lives to creating solutions, just plug those solutions into your restaurant. Um, They're the best systems you can get. And uh, these are two tools that I'm really excited to watch grow uh, into the future. Yelly app and me. If you guys haven't heard of these tools yet, you will sooner or later. I'm telling you it's the future. So awesome stuff. And I wanted to let you know, we're going to be in Los Angeles and Salt Lake city next week. Uh, the week of the 21st, if you're in Los Angeles or Salt Lake city and you want to meet up with us, uh, shoot me an email, Eric at restaurantstoppable.com. We're going to have a pretty busy schedule, but maybe you can try to cross paths with us when we go out to dinner or something like that. I love connecting with my listeners. Uh, so don't be shy. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. The music's still going. What do I talk about? I'm assuming let you listen to the music. Until next time, peace out. <laughs>